Welcome to the Palef Bukhara podcast. She is speaking. She is speaking. In each 20-minute episode, I'll have the chance to interview and celebrate strong, brilliant and inspiring women. Overwhelmingly, the, the, the greatest immediate threat to them is, is overfishing. Manta rays, um, they've only really been properly studied for about 15 years. But what we've learned so far is that they are these incredibly curious, intelligent, sociable animals. They're interactive and, and smart. Experiencing manta rays in the wild, as, as you know, uh, is just one of the most special things. And, uh, and I, I just love them. So what do you like most about the ocean? The mystery. I love that it's still one big mystery and there's so much we don't know about it yet. So hello and welcome. It is a beautiful day in April and we are speaking to Bex Carter, Director of Operations at the Manta Trust. Hi Bex. Hi. Hi, Sophie. I'm so happy to welcome you to our second uh, episode of our Carlef Bukhara podcast. Thank you so much for, for joining me. Oh, thank you, you for are- having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. You are Director of Operations at the Manta Trust, a registered charity in the UK that works towards protecting manta rays and their habitats through a combination of research, education and collaboration. Uh, We met last summer at a wonderful event at the Carlef Bukhara boutique in Geneva where you were giving a a presentation on manta rays and and you just captivated the audience. I remember just watching the room and everyone was just just so interested so I'm delighted no it's true and um yeah so I'm delighted to learn more about um the manta rays and you and uh the manta trust so maybe we can start um with a little history could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with manta rays in the first place yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, like most people that work in my my area, I'm absolutely obsessed with the oceans. Um, have been ever since I was really, really young. Um, and actually, the thing that first sparked my interest was sharks. I've just been obsessed with sharks since I was tiny. And uh, and yeah, that inspired me to, to save up and learn to scuba dive when I was a teenager, uh, learn more about the oceans and, and eventually decide to pursue a career in, in marine conservation. So um, I actually uh, first encountered the Manta Trust while I was working at the London Aquarium. I used to be the conservation and education manager at the aquarium. We used to host a lot of fundraising events and, and educational events for, for charity partners. And, um, and around the time the Manta Trust was first launched, there was actually a member of the team at the London Aquarium uh, was also working with the Manta Trust and made some introductions. So, um, so yeah, I've, uh, I've been really lucky to be involved with the charity in, in sort of one capacity or another for, for about 10 years now. What, what's so special about the manta rays for you? That's a short question with probably a really long, <laughs> really long answer. Um, gosh, just everything. I mean, uh, I think I'm drawn to the oceans because uh, I love a good mystery. Uh, and the oceans are just so mysterious and, and there's so many interesting things to learn about them. And, uh, and manta rays, um, they've only really been properly studied for about 15 years. So they're some of the most mysterious creatures in our oceans still. There's so much we don't know about them. Uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface. But what we've learned so far is that they are these incredibly curious, intelligent, sociable animals. Um, very, very different to what a lot of people 
people assume fish are like, you know, they're, they're interactive and, and smart. Um, so yeah, so experiencing manta rays in the wild, as, as you know, uh, is just one of the most special things and, uh, and I, I just love them. Well, we can talk about, because I, I had a chance to swim with them four years ago, but we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Um, what is the greatest threat that the manta rays are, are facing right now? Um, overwhelmingly, the, the, the greatest immediate threat to them is, is overfishing. Um, and there's, there's two reasons why mantas are fished. One is that they are actively targeted by some fisheries um, for their gills. Um, so the gills are actually used in, in Asian medicines. They, uh, they're used by manta rays to filter their, their food from the water. They feed on plankton. Um, but uh, Asian medicine claims that they can filter disease and toxins from your body. Um, so they're highly prized for that. Unfortunately, there's no scientific evidence to back any of that up. It's, it's rather a false claim. Um, and yeah, and to the detriment of manta populations around the world, they've been really targeted for that industry. Um, but another big threat to them is, is bycatch. So that's where fisheries that are targeting other species, uh, so things like tuna, accidentally catch manta rays in their fishing nets as well and that's that kills thousands of manta rays every year so so they're kind of they're getting accidentally caught and intentionally caught and the combination of those two things means that their populations are really threatened all around the world do you know how many uh how many there are do you have a rough estimation of how many manta rays there are in the oceans no, it's still, that's another of the great mysteries. So the largest population that we know of um, and the most intensively studied population of manta rays is in the Maldives. Um, so in the Maldives, we've got our longest running research project that's, that's been running since 2005. And over that time, we've identified uh, just over 5,000 reef manta rays. So that's the largest population that we know of. Uh, we know there are other smaller populations around the world, but they haven't been studied as much or for as long. And so we're still unsure of you know, what the total count of manta rays is. During the pandemic, um, we saw some wonderful things happen with uh, wildlife. Um, you know, goats, wild goats in Wales coming down to the villages and dolphins swimming in the, in the canals of Venice. Did you see any changes in the oceans where the manta rays live with this drop in pollution and uh, quieter Ooh. times? Yeah, I mean, so that's, an, that's a really interesting question. Um, and the, the short answer is we don't know yet. Uh, we actually, we, our project in the Maldives ground to a halt halfway through last year because of the pandemic. Lots of our team had to, had to head home and, and go into lockdown. Uh, so lots of our research was put on hold. Um, but actually, Carla Bucharest stepped in in August and, and funded a new research boat for us uh, that enabled our team to get back out in the field for the last few months of the year. And it was such a unique opportunity for us because um, we've been studying mantis in the Maldives, as I say, for 15 years. But over that time, there's been a lot of tourism and it's, it's only increased over those years. Um, and so studying manta rays is, in that region is impossible without... Uh, the impact of local tourism and boats and people in the water. Um, and so this opportunity that Carlef Bukera enabled us to, to grasp, to get our team in the field whilst there were no other boats and no other tourists means we've collected some really interesting data on what the mantas were doing over that time. And as I say, it's being, being analysed and, and kind of looked into by the team. So it will be really interesting to see what we learn from that. 
But um, but I have to say, on the whole, I think the what pe- many people may not realise about the pandemic is. Um, it actually left a lot of wildlife very vulnerable um, because a lot of rangers and conservationists had to go into lockdown. It means a lot of uh, marine protected areas and nature reserves were, were actually quite um, vulnerable to, to people like poachers and illegal fisheries and, and threats like that. So that was one of the reasons why we were really keen to get back out into the water and, and find out what was going on. That's wonderful. How does a floating station help you? Because normally you're, you have a base on land, isn't yes. that correct? Can you tell me a bit about how, how beneficial that can be to your research? Absolutely. So, I mean, we are partnered with several uh, fantastic resorts in the Maldives um, who basically allow our researchers to uh, be based at the resorts and they get to go out uh, into uh, the field and study the manta rays by joining guest excursions and, and sort of taking other guests into the water to see the mantas. Um, some of the resorts do provide a, a research boat for our teams. Because tourism ground to a halt over lockdown, our team were unable to get out into the field at all. Um, but even on the days that they can, they're still limited to going out for a few hours uh, to visiting sites really close to the resorts. Um, and I mean, we, I think we've got bases in six of the atolls and there's 26 atolls in the Maldives. So you can imagine there's a huge amount of territory, um, potentially with some really exciting manta activity happening um, that our teams just normally can't get to. So what Carla Bukera did for us at the end of last year and are doing for us again later this year is enabling us to hire this dedicated boat and just go on an amazing expedition and explore some of these, you know, mysterious, exciting new locations and find out what all of those manta rays have been doing whilst we've not been looking. Oh, that must be very exciting for your whole team. Oh, everyone is is so, so excited, yeah. It's very rare that we can get such a, a large group of our team all together in one place. We're all scattered around the globe, working remotely, um, and it's just uh, such an exciting prospect to get so many manta brains in one location. Um, so not just for the research, but also for all of the kind of interesting discussions and brainstorms and planning that's going to happen on that research station um, whilst whilst the expedition is happening. So, oh. yeah, everyone's really, really excited. Oh, I can imagine. I wanted to ask you about uh, your Adopt a Manta programme, because people can actually adopt a manta ray, isn't that right? They can, yes. Um, oh, it's fantastic. We've got... Uh, as I mentioned, just over 5,000 manta rays in the Maldives. And what we've done is we've picked out a few of the the biggest characters um, from from those 5,000. So some of the manta rays that our team see on a regular basis that they can recognise that do some fun things. Um, so we've got Mr. Spotty, for example, who is by far the spottiest manta ray in the Maldives. You can spot him a mile off. Um, and we've got uh, a lady called Mrs. Flappy, who was rescued a few years ago after she uh, she became entangled in fishing line. Um, and people can log onto our website and in exchange for a donation um, towards our work, they get a, a digital adoption pack, they get a personalized certificate and a little fact file and lots of information all about the manta ray that, that they've adopted. So it's... Um, it's a really great gift to give anyone you know that loves the oceans, but also any of those relatives that are impossible to buy for, that already have everything. Um, they probably don't have a manta ray. So no, no. I, oh, now, if I remember rightly, they all have very unique 
spottings, right? So you can you can really recognise them like you would a human face almost. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the uh, like coolest and most useful things about manta rays is um, on their belly. So they they're kind of um, you can imagine manta rays have got an enormous white belly, and it's covered in spots. And every single manta ray has got a completely unique and different spot pattern on their belly, and it stays the same throughout their lifetime. So. Um, it's very much like a human fingerprint. If you can get a photograph of that belly, um, then you can identify the manta ray. And basically, over the years, what our researchers have done is gather, you know, thousands and thousands of photographs um, that they've taken in the field, but also photographs that members of the public have sent us that they've taken whilst they've been on holiday. And um, they, they sort of use that information to build a database of individuals and also track what the mantas are doing, so where they're going and when, how often they're pregnant, you know, if they get injured, how quickly they recover. And uh, yeah, lots of just amazing information that, that helps us to, to protect them. Is there anything else that the public can do to help protect the mantas in addition to, say, adopting one? Is there anything else that they can do if they're really interested in supporting the cause? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, so in terms of uh, daily actions, like something you can do on a regular basis yourself to help mantas, um, then uh, reducing your seafood consumption is is a great thing to do if you have the choice, of course. Um, But if you want to support the Manta Trust, I mean, if you visit our website, we've we've got loads of ideas of of things that you can do to fundraise for us. Um, And one that we're particularly excited about at the moment is something called Cross the Oceans. So in June, we're hosting our first virtual Cross the Oceans challenge. Um, So anyone anywhere in the world can sign up to join uh, and help us to virtually travel the distance between Manta HQ in the UK and Manta Catalogue Azores in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean um, and in the process raise some some funding for the Manta Trust. So if you like sporting challenges, then um, then do check that out. Uh, but, but yeah, we've got lots of other great fundraising ideas on the website too. I have to take another look. I know I'm part of your Cyclone. Yes. Is it the Cyclone Club? Yeah, um, that's our membership platform. She's yeah, another very great, interesting. great fundraiser. Mm-hmm. So for people who are interested in swimming uh, with the mantas do you have any recommendations or should they really leave them well alone oh yeah I mean uh, as you and I have both already mentioned swimming with manta rays is just uh, the most magical experience if you're lucky enough to be able to do it then absolutely you should but um, we've we've actually got uh, a special website dedicated to helping you do this in the most sustainable and responsible way possible. Um, and it's actually a project that we collaborated on with Carlo Bucher again. They helped us to create a really useful short film that explains how you can swim in the water with manta rays in a way that doesn't disturb or upset them and allows them to sort of stick around for longer and for you to have some great interactions. Um, and yeah, there's also a list of tour operators on that website who have all pledged to use our guidelines and, and, uh, and run their operations in, in a way that is that's safe manta rays. So uh, visit www.swimwithmantas.org. Um, you'll also find a link to that on the Manta Trust website. And there's all the information you could possibly need to, to go and experience manta rays for yourself. I had the wonderful opportunity to uh, to swim with the manta rays um, when I was in the Maldives with Carl F. Bukhara for the launch of their Petravi Scuba Tech Manta Trust timepiece. 
um, that they uh, made to raise awareness, but also to raise funds um, for the Manta Trust. It was the most, I think, the most amazing thing I have ever done. Um, and, and I really didn't know what to expect when I got in the water, but I was just so surprised how interactive they are. Um, yeah. It was almost like they were playing hide and seek with me. They would disappear and then they would come back and <laughs> and they would get really, really close. So you had to be really careful not to touch them because they were just, it felt like they were just inches away. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, I mean, for me, it's just, it's always stayed with me. Um, you must have a lot of anecdotes about your experiences with them. What stays in your mind? What's the thing that you remember the most? Um, gosh, I, do you know what? I, I was racking my brains trying to think of the best experience to tell you. And I think probably it's one of my first mantra experiences ever. Uh, and up ahead of us, we saw the thing that we're always excited and hoping to see, which is the shape of a, a manta ray swimming in our direction. Um, and we can see it was quite a small one, quite a young juvenile male. And it got quite close to us. And then it got a little bit spooked and it kind of swam off into the blue and disappeared. Um, and, you know, we didn't think much of it. We just carried on swimming as you do. And about five or ten minutes later of swimming, I just, this funny feeling just came over me. And I just had a feeling that I was, something was watching me. <laughs> Which is not what you want to think when you're on a scuba dive. Uh, so I kind of peered behind me. Uh, and to my relief... Um, behind me was this little manta ray and basically oh. it had obviously got a bit spooked by us but was just so curious it couldn't stay away and it had just been following us from behind <laughs> so a bit like you said yeah playing hide and seek and um, and yeah we ended up after that he kind of got a bit bolder and came came a bit closer we managed to get a belly shot um, oh that's so cute him Felix and we saw him on lots of other dives after that. And it got to the point where I knew it was Felix um, swimming towards me before, you know, we'd had a chance to ID him or anything because you could just <laughs> tell from his behavior um, and the way he, you know, the way he acted around you. So I think that always sticks with me because that was the first time that it really kind of struck me just how smart these animals are that, you know, I, it wasn't just me interested in looking at this, this creature like it was looking right back at me and it was really curious and he wanted to figure out what I was just as much as I wanted to figure out what he was and um and yeah I was just hooked after that and I I think about Felix all the time <laughs> I know he's out there somewhere oh that's so cute um, yeah I'll always treasure that memory it, it was wonderful you are director of operations at the Manta Trust what does a normal day look like for you Ooh, um, a normal day. I mean, one of the things I love about my job is that there isn't really such a thing as a normal day because it is very varied. Um, but uh, to give you a bit of an idea, I'm, I'm uh, based here in the UK most of the time in Bristol. Um, on a normal year, I would, I would try and get out to visit some of our projects, but obviously have been a bit grounded of late, unfortunately. Um, so, but I, I work from an office in my house and on a normal day, I'll probably, uh, spend a few hours perhaps sitting on, on Zoom calls with some of our project leaders. So the Manta Trust, we, we work with about 25 affiliate projects that are based all around the world. And these are little independently run research and conservation projects, um, that have all been established by some, you know, truly incredible, inspiring people. Um, who were just out there making things happen for themselves. Uh, and a big part of my role at the Manta Trust basically is to 
be a point of communication for all these people and make sure that they're getting all of the kind of guidance and help and support that they can from our team. Uh, so those of us that work on the Manta Trust core team are kind of like, we call ourselves Manta Trust HQ um, and we uh, uh, do all of the, the things behind the scenes to keep the, the charity up and running and, and chugging along. So I also help the team with with sort of educational projects and media projects and uh, conservation strategizing, that type of thing. So um yeah, that's not a very concise answer. I'm no, afraid. no, it's a great answer. It's a very varied job, yeah. It shows how busy you are and all the different facets of your work. Yeah. So it's interesting for us to to hear all all of what you do. Um what would you say your managerial style is? Ooh, managerial style. Well, I certainly I guess I would strive to be um uh supportive without uh without suffocating anybody. So, you know, I uh, my team and I were very close. We we speak almost daily, even though we're kind of, as I say, dotted all over the place and, and not in one office together. Uh, we speak most days and we all help each other out. Um, but I think it's really important to uh, give everybody on the team the kind of freedom and space to, to be creative um, and kind of, you know, put some of their skills to the test and, uh, yeah, and try new things. Um, and luckily for me, the Manta Trust team make it very easy for me because, I mean, they're all wonderful. We've got a great core team, um, lots, you know, a real variety of skill sets and, and lots of innovation on a, on a regular basis. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't have to try very hard to be a good manager for these guys because they're so great. <laughs> Do you have any women in your life, uh, real or, or historic, who have inspired you? growing up or in your work that is a good question um well i mean the manta trust team you just have to have a look at our website and see the meet the team page we we've got a huge team filled with women um so if i was going to list all of the women on the manta trust team that inspire me it would it would take much too long but um but yeah, there's some there's some great people uh, that i work with on a daily basis but a historical figure um I'd probably have to say Dr. Sylvia Earle. I don't know if you've heard of her. No, um, I haven't. Tell me about so, her. Okay, so she's basically like this uh, legendary oceanographer. Um, she's been working in marine science since the 60s. Um, she's a little bit like, I guess you could say, the female version of Jacques Cousteau. Um, but she's she's been an incredible uh, voice for the oceans for decades and decades and she's done some incredible things as well to just pave the way for other women working in science she's one of those rare people that just doesn't let any obstacles worry her she just gets on with what she needs to do and uh and she's yeah she's a huge inspiration but i'd highly recommend watching um called mission blue which is all about her and her work and it's just brilliant and i I think if you watch that then you'll be a huge fan of hers too Oh, well, I'll have to yeah. look at that after. She's, um, I think she's, she's in her 80s now and she's still scuba diving, which blows my mind. I really hope I am still scuba diving when I'm in my 80s. I just think she's, yeah, she's incredible. Wow. Okay, um, I have one last question before we go into our series of rapid fire fun stuff. So the last question is, what advice would you give a young woman who wanted to follow in your footsteps? I think I think some good advice is to 
to play to your strengths. Um, so I think it's very easy um, for everybody, but perhaps especially for women, um, to to waste a lot of energy on comparing yourself with other people um, and just picking out the negative things and focusing on those. And obviously it's great to kind of, you know, look for things that you can do to improve and, you know, get stronger in your career. But I think it's really, really worthwhile uh, when you're doing that to look at all the things that make you different from other people and to find a way to work those into your career and into your role because it's those differences that will that will make you the most valuable employee and uh, so yeah stop comparing yourself too much with other people and um, and celebrate the things that that set you apart oh that's good advice um, right, so now I have 10 quick-fire questions. They're just a bit of fun. Uh, no right or wrong answers. Um, so there's no trick questions. Don't worry, it's just, uh, just some fun. So if you're ready, I will, uh, I will get going. I'm ready. Are you ready? You're ready. Okay, number <laughs> one. If you had to study another animal apart from the manta ray, what other animal fascinates you? Sharks. Definitely sharks. I love them. Excellent. Okay. So are you an early bird or a night owl? I'm, I'm a night owl that wishes they were an early bird. I, got, I always stay up much too late by accident, but then I, I desperately want to get up with the sun. Oh, <laughs> that's great. To. I think there are a lot of people in that situation. Um, okay. So what do you like most about the ocean? The mystery. I love that it's still one big mystery and there's so much we don't know about it yet. Okay. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Breathe underwater. Definitely. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> a great one. Okay. If you could travel in time, where would you go? What period ah. would you go to? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm really torn because part of me would love to just go back like a hundred years and dive on the um, Great Barrier Reef and see what it used to look like before all of the bleaching and destruction but I would also be really curious to go into the future and find out how we do it tackling this climate crisis and uh you know what what solutions we find oh <laughs> I don't know <laughs> I don't I'll let know. you have both okay you I'll can go, go backwards and forwards okay right. great this is one of my favorite questions so if you could talk to the manta ray you had special powers what one question would you like to ask them well, maybe if it, if it was a lady manta um, and it wasn't too rude to be this intrusive, then I might ask her where she goes to give birth because that is one of the big mysteries with mantas and uh, that would be a big victory. If I could find that out, then I would be, uh, I'd be very well regarded within the Manta Trust <laughs> network. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, what is your ultimate happy fix? Probably scuba diving, which is a bit, a bit obvious, or maybe painting. I love painting too. That's my, that's my fix in lockdown. Okay. Uh, what activity do you enjoy so much that you lose track of time? Oh, definitely painting. Yeah, I can. I can waste an entire weekend painting and yeah, come out the other side of it not really knowing what's happened. Oh. Okay, what word, what, sorry, what word would you like people to use when they describe you? Ooh, that's a tricky one. Um, well, maybe, maybe creative, because that, that captures a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, and yeah, that's hopefully good. Hopefully that's helpful in lots of scenarios. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, a good, that's a good one. 
Okay, last question. What would people be surprised to know about you? Any secret talents or interesting facts? Oh, well, I don't know if this is a secret talent, but um, I I actually um, did a, a uh, degree in fashion design before I realised that I, I actually needed to work in marine conservation. Wow. Um, so I just designed a lot of clothes with sharks on. <laughs> it felt like, uh, felt like it was quite a niche market. And yeah. maybe, maybe I was more interested in the sharks than the fashion. Um, but kind of ironically, now that I work in conservation, I think, gosh, I know a lot of people who would probably buy that shark clothing now. So maybe I should have, maybe I should have stuck with it. Yeah. Um, or you could still go back to it and it could yeah. be like a, a line on the website where you, the proceeds can go to the Manta Trust. Yes. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love oh. that. Two, two things combined. Yeah, that is a very interesting um, behind the scenes fact about you. So thank you. Um, well, that brings me to the end of my questions. I have hundreds more, um, but I'll let you get back to work because you've got important things to do. Um, so thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure uh, to chat more. Yeah, it's lovely to and, see you um, again. Yeah, I hope to see you again soon and hopefully in the ocean. Who knows? One of these days. Oh, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Meet in the Maldives. That would be yes. perfect. <laughs> that sounds good. OK, I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> Great. All right. Thank you so much, Bex. Um, and you have a good day. Thanks. Thank you. You too. Thank you for, for listening. Uh, feel free to share our show so you can inspire others too. For our next podcast, we will be talking to Swedish composer Lisa Streich. So make sure to tune in. Until then, stay safe and well. I invite you to subscribe to the She Is Speaking podcast so you don't miss out on this episode or future episodes that include a lineup of exceptional women. Thank you for listening.